Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt, oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem, you're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank, shoot me a follow on gambling Twitter at UndercoverGreg. But we're not giving out any picks on this podcast as we're bringing back a guest who we caught up with uh, just before the Super Bowl. His name is Johnny Avello, the director of race and sportsbooks operations at DraftKings. Uh, Johnny, it's good to have you back again. Uh, I hope the last six weeks have treated you all right. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Greg. Yeah, it was a fun Super Bowl. Uh, the uh, the underdog Bucks got there, uh, led by Tom Brady, and uh, that's one of the biggest events of the year. And now we turn our eyes to the biggest event of the year, the uh, March Madness tournament, which we sorely missed last year and glad to have it back. Yeah, so let's just talk a little bit. I've long been on record saying that these, you know, the six weeks or so from Super Bowl Sunday to Selection Sunday are always some of the more boring times in sports because we're just waiting to hit March Madness. And, and then we obviously into the spring get more things popping up on the sports calendar. As far as uh, action that you guys see at DraftKings, is that reflected as well? I mean, you know, is, is February and, and the early parts of March relatively dormant? Or take me through what it's like to be a bookmaker in that in-between time. Well, it might be a mundane time for, uh, you know, people after the Super Bowl because it's a letdown. But for us, not the case. Uh, you know, we continue on with 
college basketball end of seasons. Uh, we NBA's big betting proposition for us each and every night. Uh, NHL. Then um, we've got a lot of other things added to the menu. So you know, golf and NASCAR and cornhole and, and a lot of <laughs> a lot of little literal little sports too. But they we're busy. The whole team is busy. The whole company's busy. And, you know, then we get into the conference tournament right away. Uh, some of the smaller conferences start end of February, the, you know, the bigger conferences in March. And so there's really no rest for us. Um, it does feel, I'm sure, to the consumer like it, I need a sigh of relief after that, after a football season. But for bookmakers, that's not the case. Sure. No, I totally get it. And then the other thing you mentioned there that I figured I'd ask you about is just not having this tournament. And I know that, uh, March Madness was kind of the first major sporting event that we lost in 2020. Uh, but what was it like for you guys last year? Obviously, um, I would think next to the Super Bowl, March Madness has to be uh, one of the more, more wagered on uh, events of the sports calendar. So just take me through kind of what those first couple days were like and, and the disappointment uh, from your end of things in not having it last year. It was shocking. Um you know, here it is, middle of March, uh, March 12th or so. We're thinking the tournament's going to go on and cancel it. Uh, so shocking for all of us. Um, you know, it's 80-plus years since uh, the tournament's been going on. And for that thing, this, just to uh, end that quickly, uh, you know, we we didn't know what to do. We scrambled. We found con. We had to go out and pivot and find different types of content because not only the tournament canceled, but then other sports followed. Um, but we got through it, and it was a great year for us overall. It was our best year ever, if you can believe that. So just imagine if we had the tournament. And so now the tournament's back. Um, the committee, I think, has done some, you know, appropriate actions to to keep it safe, keep it all in one state and actually one city, Indianapolis and surroundings. And uh, I think we're all looking forward to starting it up again. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite sporting events of the year. Certainly uh, one that I, uh, I love college basketball and I, I certainly pay attention uh, all season long as we record this podcast, we do college basketball episodes all the time, but Johnny, I just want to ask you, I mean, you've been, obviously, when we first had you on back around the Super Bowl, we kind of went through your history in the industry and jobs you had and, and titles you held prior to joining the team at DraftKings. So, you know, you're obviously no stranger to sports gambling. I, I want to just kind of get a little bit of a primer from you as far as March Madness and you know, things that you see from uh, from players and, and things that you guys try and do, just tendencies that kind of come from either side of the counter, uh, just to, as far as, you know, tidbits that you'd like to kind of first get out there. We'll start kind of on a broad scale here when it comes to March Madness. What are things you've noticed over the years? Well, first of all, the conference tournaments are a big deal. Um, you know, the, the conference tournaments are a prelude to, to the big tournament. And they're bet heavily, and that's kind of where we get a gauge on, uh, you know, the the teams that we think are, you know, going to make a possible run here. Um, and, you know, the, this year is a little different because some of these teams didn't get their full schedules in as they normally would. You know, some of these teams are playing 30-plus games. A lot of them didn't get to 30 games this year. 
And so, um, you know, what I do as, uh, you know, watching these games and, um, you know, making numbers on these games is to get a feel of if these teams are actually ready. I think the conference tournaments got them ready, but still, uh, you know, they're, they're, they may not be quite as sharp as some, some of these teams have been in the past coming into the tournament. So that is something I'm keeping a close eye on. Um, and, you know, if that's the case, if, if these teams aren't as sharp as some of the, t- you know, top seeds have been in the past, you could see some major upsets. Uh, it's been a strange year for in college basketball just all around. I mean, there's you look at this tournament, there's no Duke. There's no Kentucky teams that have, you know, been in this tournament year in and year out. So it's got a little bit of strange feel to it. But I always say that there's no teams bigger than the tournament itself. So, um, you know, it's the, the tournament's going to be big. It's going to do well. Uh, it's got a little different schedule process where the playing games are on Thursday when where the tournament normally starts on Thursday. And then there's games on Monday where there normally isn't games on Monday. So it's got a little bit different feel to it, but um, it looks and feels the same. And as far as making odds on the game, nothing's changed. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the teams, you know, and their conference tournaments. I'm just curious if that's something that, you know, when you're putting the numbers up on the first round games and the, the adjusting the futures prices, is that something that, you know, you would think, because obviously there are some casual players that aren't as invested all season long, November through February. So is the recency bias of the teams that win their conference tournaments, you know, how much does that come into play for you guys just as kind of trying to get out in front of where the, the players that are just arriving to the party might go? Well, you know, when I do look at the teams that won their conference tournaments this year, um, you know, Alabama just had a tremendous year. Uh, and then they go through the, and win the conference tournament to, to solidify how good they really are. Uh, a team like Houston, what a nice uh, season for a team like that who ended up with a two seed. Um, you know, I don't think we expected that at the beginning of the year. Gonzaga, I mean, it's a story. They're 26 and 0. Um, and people say, well, they play in a weak conference, and that's true. They do play in a weak conference, but they do also had some big wins along the year. Um, you know, they beat some quality teams, and uh, they have three players on that team that are just uh, remarkable players. And then there's Baylor, uh, who maybe didn't play as well as that. At the you know beginning middle of the year towards the end, but uh, you know they they did lose to to some really good teams. Uh, it's not like they you know they they ran out of steam. They just played some teams that back to back, and sometimes it's hard to beat teams back to back. So overall, um, you know the the top seeds I think are who they should be. Um, you know Michigan area, their Michigan probably didn't finish as well as they would have liked to, but. Um, and Illinois, they did finish as well as they would like to. So uh, I think everything's justified. And, uh, you know, I look at the ones playing some of the, the 16s, and some of the spreads are bigger than others. Some are a little bit tighter. Uh, so it, everything kind of feels normal. We'll get back to the specifics of this bracket in just a minute. But one of the other things I wanted to start with uh, as one of my kind of broader topics I wanted to ask you about uh, I mentioned it, and obviously we had you on just prior to the Super Bowl, and I kind of get the sense, and, and you can certainly correct me if I'm wrong, 
everybody talks about those first two days. And, you know, I, I remember talking to somebody in college that uh, for years always took off school and his dad took him to Vegas for the first two days of March Madness. Um, for a, from a bookmaker standpoint, I mean, because you look at the other sports and, and they're all the championships are all best of seven playoff formats. We don't know if we're going to get a game seven in the NBA or the Stanley Cup final or the World Series. We know we're going to have the Super Bowl and we know we're going to have these two, the first, those first two days where you get the round of 64 and, and you get, you know, 16 games the first day, 16 games the next day. Are those two days the busiest days of the year for bookmakers outside of Super Bowl Sunday? Well, they're the busiest days for everyone. Uh, they're busiest for bricks and mortar locations. They're the busiest day for the, for the actual ticket writers. The lines don't stop. They don't stop for four days. Uh, you know, the there's a lot of games, and they just kind of go over one another, and they start in the morning, and they don't end until night. And that's why when your buddies tell you that's the best time of the year to go, I wouldn't disagree with them. It's the best time to get together that camaraderie among, uh, you know, groups of friends and watch the games and uh, in, in exciting uh, buzzer beaters and upsets. So would not disagree with that. The, the money is, it's a lot of money we handle because there's so many games, but the actual per bet gets bigger as the tournament moves on. Uh, the next round, you know, we'll get down to the Sweet 16 by after Monday and then, you know, those games will be bet bigger, and then we'll get down to the Final Four, and those games will be bet bigger, and then the championship game. So um, there's something to be said for each segment of the tournament. Let me get into another thing that kind of is also kind of a general topic, but also um, you could certainly feel free to discuss how it relates to this season. When we talked – one of the first things I asked you about uh, for the Super Bowl was preseason futures liability. Um, and, and I'm curious uh, kind of where that's at now uh, with March Madness. I imagine, you know, there had to have been some people, you know, you look at some of these number one seeds and, and, and Gonzaga, I remember obviously being pretty high in the poll most of the season. Uh, ditto for Illinois. They never really uh, dipped a ton and they were obviously competing in the best conference in the land in the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan obviously was a little more of a surprise and, um, you know, Baylor obviously was close to the top most of the year. So those are the number one seeds. Just take me through kind of what you're seeing as far as liability on the uh, futures tickets to win the national championship right now. Yeah. Our biggest hazard is Gonzaga. Um, the, and, and the odds were never really high. You know, you could have probably got, I can't remember what the initial odds were, but you could probably got around seven or eight at one time. But it's just that since they held a steady course all year long, they were bet. Um, at all the numbers, including the three to one, the two fifty to one, um, you know, so it's understandable why why they're the hazard because they never wavered from you know uh, being right there in that top spot. Uh, Michigan was a second team. Uh, you could have got them in twenties uh, range, you know, uh, upper twenties at one time. And so as they made their run, they were bet uh, all the way down the ladder until they got down to about six to one or so. And, um, you know, that's, I think that's, we currently have them at uh, eight now. So they're actually back up a tick. Um, Illinois, you could have got them at some great prices too. Uh, they were the third bet team. And, 
And so the reason that these teams were hazards for us is because you could have got them at higher odds. Uh, and those higher odds can really add up. You know, people start putting 100, 200, 500, 1,000 on those odds. Uh, you know, you'll see that exposure on teams escalate. Yeah, no doubt about that. The other thing that I was wondering on a futures uh, basis was just when these tickets come in, and, and you, you kind of hinted at it with the different prices that different players were able to grab. But one thing that I have kind of mentioned at various times already in our interview here is just obviously, especially with college basketball, I would think you get more casual players that are checking in around this time of year and maybe aren't along for the ride from November to February. Football is keeping a lot of people busy um, in the fall and in the winter into the winter. So as far as when you see these tickets come in, I mean, do you see, is there a time of year that, you know, is more popular than others? I mean, I would think there's probably a lot of people getting down futures to win the national championship right now. Cause like I said, you get those people that are obviously a little late to the party, but at the same time, I'm sure there's plenty of people that are looking to get out in front of the market and try and get a good price on something back when the season starts. So when do you kind of see those tickets start to come your way? Well, the beginning of the season, certainly, uh, and then prior to the even playing, them, those teams even playing a game, uh, that's a popular time for betting. Because remember, we'll put this up, uh, you know, shortly after the season ends, we'll right. put it up again for next year. So there'll be plenty of time to bet it before the season starts. And then the end, as you mentioned, right now, that'll continue because we'll keep this up throughout the entire tournament. But then there's those parts of the year where, uh, you know, you get a feeling that teams are going to start playing well, or maybe they had one good game and you feel they're going to go on a nice little run now, and that's the time when some people can pick up some teams at some pretty lucrative prices. Yeah, and I just wonder as far as uh, how you move your prices throughout the year, you know, how much do you factor in, like we say, you get a lot at the beginning of the year, you get a lot right now. As you're adjusting prices, do you kind of, you know, during the season, do you kind of factor in the fact that you might not get as much action, you know, in, in December or January, or does that not really cross your radar? No, we actually get quite a bit of action. Um, you know, at the retail locations, people buy tickets for others for Christmas gifts too, you know. So, <laughs> so you know, that, that, that portion happens during the, even the off time. Um, this year was a little different in college basketball. Remember, we didn't have any college basketball going on in November. You know, not as not like we're accustomed to. Uh, and December, we're used to all these tournaments going on. You know, just abundance of games. And we had some games. Uh, we did, but not the amount of games that we were uh, normally used to. Johnny Vello joins us here, the director of race and sportsbook operations at DraftKings, as we discuss some March Madness. Uh, Johnny, one thing that is definitely true in every March Madness tournament, but I think particularly this year with, as you said, COVID impacting the amount of games each team played. Obviously, when we get the bracket and we see the field of 68, uh, it's almost always in the first round, it's two teams that haven't played each other at all in the season. And I'm just wondering how you go about hanging these numbers on games with teams that, you know, have never seen each other from conferences that don't cross over. They don't, as I said, so therefore they don't share common opponents. What's that process like? Because we hear so often about 
you know, certain mid-majors and Cinderella's that, that might be able to catch fire if they get the right draw against maybe the high major programs that are a little vulnerable. Uh, from a bookmaking standpoint, you got games all across the board here in every region where the teams have never seen each other. So what's it like trying to hang the numbers on these kinds of games? Well, a couple of things you look at as an odds maker is you're right. A lot of these teams don't play each other, but we have a power rating on each and every team. Uh, the one thing that's important when you're making odds is to see a couple of things. It did a, what was the schedule for a team this year that, uh, you know, that we don't book a lot during the course of the year. Did, were they able to play any top 25, top 50 teams? So that's certainly something you have to look at. You have to look at where the games are taking place. This, that doesn't come into play this year. Um, you know, that'll help Purdue playing in Indiana, and that might help help Big Ten teams too since they are they don't have to travel far and they're kind of accustomed to that area. Um, so, um, you know, it's – it's it's looking at teams, uh, maybe some of these other teams play a good defense. Maybe that's their game, and maybe they're, uh, they will give a powerhouse problems. And we have to look through that. We have to kind of consider, put that into the line if we think something like that may take place. But, um, you know, as you see, when we do put up these lines, a lot of them move initially, and uh, some of them don't move as much. And so when the, we put them up, and then the professionals tell us uh, where we're wrong. Yes, I suppose that's a good point. And, uh, you know, I, I suppose on one hand, you mentioned power ratings. Um, do you kind of have to put a bigger emphasis on how accurate those are? Because I, I guess do you kind of rely on them a little more when, when you have fewer tools. And, and I suppose that on the, by that same token, when you see, you know, a, a sharp player coming in and, and smashing one of your sides, do you kind of adjust a little quicker? Like, is there a little more – insecurity I don't know if that's the right term but kind of uncertainty maybe with these lines no I don't think so I mean we have a good handle on most of these teams I think in our power ratings are about as tight as they can be when we get to this time of the year now of course teams like Hartford you know not a team we book all year long so not you know maybe not familiarity with that team so and that's a game if you look at it you know Baylor we opened 24 and a half we're up to 26 so uh maybe we didn't we gave Hartford a little too much uh, credit, um, at least initial on initial line moving. Yeah. Um, Johnny Avello joining us here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Johnny is the director of race and sportsbook operations at DraftKings. Johnny, another thing that I kind of discussed as far as uh, the mid-majors and the Cinderella's, whatever it may be, you get this narrative every year. And it's certainly not going anywhere this year. And that, of course, is the 512. And I want to get a feel for, um, you know, things like that when it comes to, you know, the, the history of the 12 upsetting the five and other kind of March Madness narratives that kind of get preached on national television by pundits uh, all across the country. Uh, I guess we'll start with the 512 and you can certainly feel free to interject any of the other ones that kind of impact your bookmaking uh but is it something where you kind of just know you know most players know that these 12s have historically been live underdogs and 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 does that how much does that factor into putting the line up on those four games yeah uh (laughs) i think everybody's kind of aware of it um 
it's interesting, you know, when we look at those five twelves, uh on the west side you've got uh west bracket I should say, um you've got, you know, Santa Barbara going against Creighton. Uh Santa Barbara with a remarkable year, winning uh eighteen in the last nineteen, eighteen and one. How's that for record? Now, of course, uh you know, people they don't play quite the competition as some of the others, but still, uh, you know, it's quite impressive. Um, I think that's that's an area where there could be an upset. Uh, Santa Barbara over Creighton. The uh, the other one is Colorado's playing Georgetown. We all know Georgetown had this magnificent run to get in the tournament. Otherwise, they weren't going to get in. Ended up 13 and 12. Um, you know, Colorado, their strength was at home. They were 11 and one. They were six and six on the road. But they did win their last six, and uh, they did play. You know, beating teams like UCLA, Arizona State, Cal, UCSC, uh, Oregon State, um, you know, who they, and they lose to them uh, by two in the final Pac-12 game. So, you know, um, that that one's probably not as pronounced as far as the line's concerned because Colorado's only about a five-point favorite there. Uh, on the other side, the South, uh, Winthrop and Villanova. Well, Villanova, we opened up six. We're still at six. It did go to six and a half for a little bit, but it's back to six. You know, Villanova's going to be missing Colin Gillespie, and, uh, you know, he's out for the whole tournament. And they have a few injury problems. And this Winthrop team, man, wow, another great great year. And so I think that's where the betters will look at another possible upset. Um, and then you've got the uh, the last one is Tennessee, Oregon State. That one right there has got a little bit different feel to it. Uh, maybe not as much upset mode, um, you know, as the other three. But I think people will also be taking a look at it, you know, Oregon State team who did win their tournament. Right. And that speaks to my recency bias that we kind of already discussed that I think maybe factors in with the players. You know, I, and I think particularly there uh, with the, one of the other 12s, Georgetown, there was certainly a lot of love nationally for Patrick Ewing getting into the tournament as the auto bid out of the Big East for the first time. Um, You know, I I just wonder a little bit when it comes to some of these other schools. And obviously this year was a little bit of a down year for the uh, quote-unquote Blue Bloods as Duke and Kentucky aren't in the field. Um, But we we did see Michigan State slide in there. Um, It looks like they're a short favorite at most shops against UCLA in tomorrow's first four game. Um, Anything that you kind of look at there when it comes to the – you know, historical pedigrees of some of these teams. And obviously we know certain betters can maybe gravitate to them a little easier and maybe it's a little easier just to, you know, not even consider that factor. Cause as I said, you don't have Duke and Kentucky in this field, but when it comes to just the brand programs like this, uh, what goes through the mind of a sports, uh, you know, a, a, a um, excuse me, a bookmaker when you know, you know that certain schools are going to get action just based on their name. Well, you know, you mentioned Michigan State, and I'll tell you, the the first four, uh, you know, playing, that's the last game of the night, UCLA-Michigan State. That's a great game. Uh, you know, Michigan State opened up one-point favorites up to two. Not a typical Izzo team year, you know, but they did play okay. They did beat Michigan late in the season. Uh, they did have to win some games to get in the tournament. And, uh, you know, here they are going against uh, – Mick Cronin's UCLA Bruins, uh, who since Mick's came on board, you know, he's kind of turned that program around a little bit. Um, 
they also had an okay season, not the greatest of seasons, but what a matchup for, you know, a, a play-in tournament game. Uh, so uh, I think that one's going to be heavily watched and heavily bet. Right, and, and, and that was the other thing that I kind of wanted to hint at or to get at here as well. Just as far – because there's so many games, obviously, in these rotations. As I said, 16 on Friday and then another 16 on Saturday in the round of 64. Um, take me through a little bit about the times, and, and maybe this will be further amplified this year with the first two days being a Friday-Saturday and not a Thursday-Friday. But as far as the individual games that get bet, you talked about Michigan State and UCLA. Maybe some people starting their weekend a little early on Thursday night, and obviously that'll be one that you get a lot of action on. Uh, but as far as the times of the games and, and, and when they're played, how much does that factor into the ticket count that you guys are seeing? Uh, they're kind of positioned right where they've always been. Um, you know, they're, we got early games. We got uh, – they kind of just start – another game starts maybe 45 minutes later. Another game starts 40 minutes later, that type of thing. So nothing's changed as far as the times are concerned. I love the format. Uh, for the you know for, certainly for the first two rounds because there's when we we talked about it about the games being uh, all going at the same time and the viewers uh, you know on their heels watching these games uh, waiting for some of these last second buzzer beaters and exciting games throughout and it gives you a lot of you know, a lot of viewing I mean you know you're you got your head going back and forth on games and then game goes to halftime now you're concentrating on another game. Uh, that's what makes that first weekend so exciting. Uh, but the times are positioned exactly where they kind of been in the past. So uh, I, I do like this format. That's another thing that I'm curious about when it comes to the volume of action and the amount of games and the times, obviously as betters, you know, and fans, I think everybody just likes to sit back and, and watch and, and maybe there are plenty of people getting involved in the live action as well, but take me through kind of, what these days are like for you guys behind the counter on the other side, you know, how busy do things get uh, just from the time the first ball goes up on the first game all the way to the last buzzer on, on Friday and Saturday? Uh, we don't have to worry about future book wagering because we take that down, but there's in-game wagering. And so in-game wagering is going on in every game. So you can imagine every game going in-game wagering, uh, halftime uh, lines going up. Uh, it's quite hectic. <laughs> yeah, and that, I think that kind of leads me into one of my other things I wanted to get to with you. Um, obviously, live betting has certainly uh, grown in popularity the last few years. Tell me a little bit about the evolution of gambling on March Madness as far as a bookmaker and, and the options that have been offered to players. Uh, what have you noticed as far as you know, back in the 90s all the way up until now as far as, you know, what has changed in when it comes to betting on uh, the men's basketball postseason tournament? Uh, well, there's a lot of different propositions even before the tournament starts that we didn't have in the past. Uh, we have teams and teams that score, you know, X amount of points and uh, which conference is going to win. Uh, most outstanding player for the tournament. Um, so there's a lot more options now to play. Uh, you know, at the beginning, you have the winning seed and you have the conference to win. And, uh, you know, so it kind of goes on. What's the result of the second half? Uh, the even scores. 
just so much more content now on each and every game. Yeah, and, and is there anything in particular that you've noticed as far as uh, newer content, or, or or do most players, you know, as far as the popularity of of the offerings that are out there, are most players kind of sticking to the traditional side total? Uh, futures, you know, bet to win the national championship, maybe a bet to win a region and get to the final four. Just what do most players seem to gravitate towards when it comes to March Madness? Yeah, that. Uh, like the parlay, uh, parlays are big, especially money line parlays, teams to win that are favorites, uh, you know, kind of putting some of the big favorites together, taking a chance with a couple of dogs, get a, to, you know, write a huge payoff ticket if you can get three, four dogs to win. Um, in-game wagering is still popular. It's still new. It's growing. Uh, and in-game wagering is something where value is when you're betting these games, too. Uh, sometimes you'll get a team who's a six-point favorite, and they're down 8-1 at the beginning of the game. So a little more value there than laying eight. Now you only have to lay two or three. Right. Yeah, and that's obviously uh, one way to kind of grab the best in a number. Um, Johnny, anything, anything specific with – kind of draft DraftKings specials or, or things that you guys have going on at your book that make you a little more unique this time of year? Uh, I think we're unique all times of the year, but yeah, <laughs> sure. yes, there are. Uh, you know, we have a, uh, a, first of all, we have free pools uh, and we have a free survivor pool where we pay a million dollars to the winner. Anybody from any state can bet that. Um, so I would suggest that all listeners certainly go and, and partake in that. Uh, also, in that same survivor pool, we will pay a hundred thousand dollars to, a, you know, a person who just signed up for every upset that takes place. So, in other words, if there's four upsets in the first two rounds, we're going to pay a hundred thousand to one lucky fan, um, and that's just going to be a random draw. So, that's something that everyone should certainly get into is our survivor pool. We also have a um, a $100 uh, bracket contest where we're paying $1 million to the winner. Fill out your bracket before it starts. A million to the winner and then another million to be dispersed among the, the other 1,500 winners. Um, and if you go to our free pools, you'll see we have more free pools on other things going on in, within the tournament. Um, and we're going to have specials all weekend long starting now. Uh, you know, for new users signing up, you bet $4 on an underdog and you get 64 to 1. So I would just say go to our site, peruse it, take advantage of all those free options, and look for all the great value that we're offering our customers. A few more here for Johnny Avello, the DraftKings Director of Race and Sportsbook Operations. Um, I guess just kind of we started with some broader strokes. Let's end with a few broad strokes as well. Take me through what your life is going to be like the next three weeks. I mean, I'm sure you're probably going to be very busy. We talked a little bit about how the grind doesn't really stop for you, even when we're in between the Super Bowl and March Madness. But how hectic are things going to get for you and the rest of DraftKings these next three weeks? Uh, very much so, but we're prepared and we're looking right. forward to it. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's part of the territory. If you're in this business, you're in it, and you're in it because you love it. Yeah, and that's certainly uh, certainly one of the fun funner things about being involved. Um, you know, another thing that I, I'm curious about, and, and you can certainly 
uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but when it comes to just the app and, and especially with COVID, you didn't have as many people going out in the first place. But um, as far as your, your mobile wagering, I imagine that's where a lot of your players are coming from. And uh, when it comes to just interacting and trying to, you know, get a feel for, uh, you know, who's behind those screens, you know, what's it been like with DraftKings as far as, you know, just communicating with your players and, and making them feel at home? What, what are some of those things like? Yeah, first and foremost, we are a digital company, but we have some bricks and mortar locations, and uh, those do well, and we're happy to have them. We will continue to add them. That's a big part of our business. But you know, the digital product is where it's at. That's where you can bet the. That's where you can bet the in-game wagering because it's fast. Um, that's where you can make a bet if you're, uh, you know, not near a sports book, and so that's why that that's taken off. And as we grow into multiple states, that will continue to grow. Um, and uh, to be honest with you, that's the the easiest and uh, you know best way to bet in, in my eyes. I mean, it's just it's you don't have to go to a ticket writer and you don't have to worry about a ticket writer ever making a mistake. It all lies on you. You you're in total control. Uh, lastly, Johnny, as far as uh, the opening week uh, of games, uh, you kind of hinted at. Uh, you know, UC Santa Barbara potentially being a uh, a live dog there in that 12 game. But I'm just curious, early on, uh, any, you know, professional action, things that you're seeing, just an action and action monitor so far as far as uh, what's been coming in since these games went up on Sunday. What can you tell us there? Yeah, I noticed, I'll tell you a couple of games. I noticed they bet against North Carolina Tar Heels, not, not Carolina's best year, but, you know, Wisconsin – uh, has always been a good team and always good in the tournament. That game is bet down from two and a half down to one and a half. Um, the uh, the the Florida was playing Virginia Tech. Florida was a favorite in that game. That is now a pick'em. So um, you know that that game is uh, getting a little bit of Virginia Tech action. Ohio State uh, playing Oral Roberts, only a seventeen and a half point favorite. Over an Oral Roberts team who people don't know about, that game's been bet down to 16 and a half. So there are slight moves like that uh, that have happened during this tournament. One of the bigger moves is Oak State playing Liberty, uh, open sure. nine and a half down to seven and a half. Uh, so you know Liberty with a 20 and five record, uh, Oak State certainly you know knocked off Baylor, playing a tough conference, but. Uh, just goes to show you that the pros see these games a little bit different than the general public. Yeah, and that's always something that I find interesting because, you know, you mentioned Oklahoma State being one of those, uh, you know, teams that the pros are betting against. And obviously the general public turns on ESPN and everybody's talking about Cade Cunningham and and the run that the Pokes have been on, obviously getting to that Big 12 championship. So that's just something I always find interesting. And I'm sure that's like that for you every year when it comes to, you know, a big-time NBA prospect on a college team or – a college team that just won its conference tournament that the general public is going to always gravitate to. And, and normally that, that can obviously bring back some sharp action the other side. Is that kind of safe to say across the map? That's correct. Yeah. Some of these will get there and some of them won't. <laughs> well said. Johnny Avello, the director of race and sportsbook operations from DraftKings. Johnny, I want to thank you again for taking some time out of, I'm sure, a very busy week for you at DraftKings. 
I want to thank Parker and the rest of DraftKings who helped make this possible. Uh, Johnny, thanks a lot. Again, it's always good to chat with you, and best of luck to you guys at DraftKings over these next three weeks. You're welcome, Greg. Thank you. Good talking to you again. I enjoyed it. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Everyone, enjoy the tournament. We'll be back with our own picks later on in the week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.